exalted I above and the people I see Can you look to him today? Look to him. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lamb upon the throne, who reigns forever. Exalted and come against every cognitive dissonance, every prior knowledge that inhibits the entrance of the word, every sectioning and compartmentalizing of the word of God that says it's for this person, this not for me. But we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. We declare the Lord at the end of this meeting. Every sick person be touched by the Holy Ghost. Every deliverance required to be released in this service. Every testimony and breakthrough required be available to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Clap your hands to Jesus. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to take this opportunity again to celebrate our Bishop, Reverend Julian. Can we celebrate Jesus for his life? Such a blessing. Hallelujah. And we salute all the pastors. We salute all the wonderful staff. And I also want you to celebrate yourself for being in church this morning. I believe God has a powerful, powerful work in your heart today. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Um, I was at a retreat recently at Nevaisha. And I made a statement to them that amen is part of the names of Jesus. Okay, I know. Let's go to the Bible. Revelations 3, verse 14. 
Yes. Let's, let's, Revelations 3.14. He's speaking to a church of Laodicea. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, write, these things say thee. Amen. So anytime you are asked to say amen, it means the faithful one. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. All right. In the beginning service, I began to explain the concept of righteousness. Um, there was a very interesting drama that happened in creation. Lucifer tried to take the throne of God. And I explained that God was put in a so-called fix. So that the Bible says in Revelation chapter 5 that there was silence in heaven. Everyone in heaven was waiting to see God's next step. And by the grace of God, because God himself is wisdom, God outwitted the enemy. So that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the verse number 6, the wisdom of this world which is coming to naught. And that wisdom is spoken to them that are matured or perfect. And it says, it is not the wisdom of the princes of the world because had they known him, they would not have crucified the king of glory. That means there was a wisdom Satan had but was not the wisdom of the source of wisdom. He is the sum of wisdom, but he was made the summation of wisdom by the one he was going against. So God outsmarted the devil. He never in his mind, because you see, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, for as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself partook of the same. Then the Bible says, later on, when you read down, he says, for it behooved him to take unto himself the nature of Adam or Abraham and not the nature of angels. Now, to take on, actually, yeah. So when you read down, it says, he behooved Jesus or the Lord that he took on, not angels, but the sons of Abraham. What he was trying to say was that he did not engage the angels when they fell, but he engaged man when man fell. So Satan thought that the way he fell, God was not going to render assistance in any way. I think go, go back to, I think, 15. Yes, 15, 16. So there, there's, 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 aha, uh -huh. yeah, good. He took on, very 16, yes. He took on the nature of angels. So God engaged man, but did not engage the angels. So we understood that God was willing to sacrifice his throne just to save us. You need to understand that picture of righteousness. God put everything on the line to come die for you. He taught it not Robbie to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. The Greek literally says he, made, he went on vacation from Godhood. So Jesus took a vacation from Godhood. And if you think Jesus did the miracles as God, then we'll be inspired. But if he asks us to walk in the example, then he did it as man. Because God cannot be anointed. Acts 10, 38. How Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. God cannot be anointed when he is the anointing. So the moment you see that scripture, it means he was doing it as a man. So we are not inspired by the power of Christ. We are challenged to live that same life. Praise God. Now, what I want to get into today, or this, this session is, the blessings of the new covenant. 
Hebrews chapter 8, quickly, verse 10, if you would with me. Hebrews 8, verse 10. Hebrews 8, verse 10. Now, he was talking about the covenant that he had given prior to the new covenant. He said the former covenant had fought in itself, but God had to make a new covenant to the house of Israel from verse 9. And verse 10 says, for this covenant, this is the new covenant, I will make with the house of Israel after those days. See the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I'll write them in their hearts and I'll be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Verse 11. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, every man his brother, say, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their iniquities will I remember no more. Praise God. Verse 13 says now that therefore I will make a new covenant. So in that a new covenant he had made. Now in this scripture we see three blessings that proceed from one act of blessing. So, three blessings that proceed from one major blessing. Now, let's read again. It says, I will make a new covenant or a covenant from verse 10. Now, when you read the Bible very well, you will notice that technically the Christian is not in what we call the new covenant. Because if we are in the new covenant, then it presupposes we should have the old covenant. Good. I have your attention. <laughs> now, the new covenant technically is to Israel and not to us. But God, in his wisdom, devised a strategy. Now, let's go to Luke 22, verse 20. Jesus takes the cup, blesses it, and says, this is the blood of the New Testament, which we drink. So, that cup he is now blessing in Luke chapter 22, verse 20. He is lifting up a cup right before he dies, and says, the cup of the New Testament in my blood, and I it shed for you. So, he is giving the blood to these disciples. Remember, these disciples are 12 from the various tribes in Israel. So, first and foremost, he's about to die. But the people he takes the communion with are disciples who are Jews. And he says, this is the cup of the New Testament. But then again, these are the same people who become the apostles of the church after his death. Please, are we together? That means that it's new covenant technically, I'm using the word technically on purpose, to the Jews. But to us also, we benefit the same terms of the covenant. But ours is not called the new covenant. Now the God of peace that brought back again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of sheep, he says, he will bring it back up to me um, in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. He says that he brought Jesus again from the dead. He said he will establish you, he will comfort you much more. And he will do all these blessings by the blood of the everlasting covenant. So the Jews have the new covenant. 
The believer has the everlasting covenant. Are we together? Okay. So when we come to, the, because I'm saying this because, uh, you know, there's so many teachers start in town. If you're not careful, you hear something and go like, ah, that means you're not part of the covenant. No, we are part of the covenant, but ours is called the everlasting covenant. The Jews have it as the new covenant because they had an old one. The Christian, you, you didn't have a covenant before you became born again. So you can't have a new covenant. Yours is called everlasting covenant. But the terms of the new covenant is the same as ours. Are we together? Okay, so what that means now is this. He is now bringing us back to what those blessings of the new covenant is. Now, can we quickly go back to um, Hebrews chapter 8? Forgive me, many times I, I go to many countries and they wonder why I'm a prophet who likes to teach. Now, that's the original call of a prophet. Don't get it wrong. That's the original purpose of a prophet, to teach. But we have the blessing of the knowledge and the encounter with Jesus to show us what he really meant by what he said. And that's the first and foremost sure word of prophecy. The Bible said we have a more sure word of prophecy. And you know why he said that? In 2 Peter chapter 1, from verse 18 downwards, he said, We have not followed after cunningly devised fables, but we ourselves were eyewitnesses. So Peter is saying it was not a CNN report. We were there. We saw the glory cloud and the voice spoke, this is my beloved son. A voice spoke from the excellent glory saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And after all that beautiful charade that Jesus appeared, Moses and Elijah, Peter said, that is not as sure as the Bible. You know how you can have a dream and say, my dreams come to pass? Well, lie. It's the word of God that comes to pass. Are we together? So, of course, yes, we we'll do whatever God asks us to do. But first and foremost, this is how you minister to 10,000 people without calling everybody's name. I'm happy you're clapping, so we're on the same page then. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, please just focus. Let's, let's get into the word so we'll be blessed. All right. So, in Hebrews chapter 8, the verse number 10, it says, For a covenant I will make of the house of Israel... After those days. And I'm saying that the word house of Israel there. So that no one teaches you to tell you that it's to the house of Israel. It's not to us. That's not true. It's actually also to us. Because the Bible says Abraham's blessings was not just to the Jews. It's also to the Gentiles. Why? Abraham is the first Jew and Gentile. He was a Gentile. God called him. And he crossed the river from the U of the Chaldeans. And he became a Jew. So he was first a Gentile before he became a Jew. So that's why God used him as the source of our blessing. So that both Jews and Gentiles can be united to receive the same blessing. Okay, good. So what is happening now is this. Now, this terms of the blessing, he's given us three blessings here. Number one, I will write their laws, my laws, in their mind and write it in their hearts. I will be to them a God, number two. And they shall be a, my people, to me a people. Verse number 3, the next verse, 11. And they shall not teach any man his neighbor, every brother, or every man his brother, saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Now, these three blessings, the first one, I'll write my law in their mind, is the doctrine or the portion of the will of God. The first blessing you should understand about our call. The covenant God has entered into with us is the will of God. 
to know God's mind. Number two, he says, I will be a God to them and they will be my people. That's the power of miracles. And number three, he says, everyone will not need another man to teach them. They will know me personally. That's the blessing of intimacy. So there are three blessings of the new covenant. The will of God, the power and miracle, ability of God, and intimacy. But all are precipice on verse 12. Because it says, for I, in other words, because of this, because of this action, these preceding statements will happen in a believer's life. Now follow me very well to help you. He said, for I, and the word for in the, in the Greek actually means precisely because I will make, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And I'll remember their sins no more. Now, what does it mean to be merciful? The word there is helios, which actually means propitious. I'll be propitious. Mercy is a legal commodity. I'll give you an example. When you go to court and you are guilty of a case, there's something called plea deal. Now, in a plea deal, you are actually pleading for a reduced sentence. That's the mercy of the judge. Because the case should give you 40 years, but because of the plea deal, you get five years. Or sometimes you get community, you know, service, or you get house um, probation, whatever it is, for a year or two years. So mercy, never think as a believer that mercy is some feeling God decides. It's a legal transaction. In fact, it's so legal that Jonah chapter 2 verse 8 says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Lying vanities are false evidences. That means you go like, I'm not good enough for God to forgive me. So you forsake mercy that's already available. I hope I'm permitted to be moving like this. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, so let's go back to Hebrews chapter 8. So he's saying, verse 12, he's saying now that precisely because of God being merciful and deciding not to remember our sins, we can access these three blessings. Now, I'll get to the blessings very soon, but let me just touch this first. Now, the mercy of God is the word propitious. And 1 John chapter 4, the verse number 10 said, We love because God first loved us and sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4, 10. So we love because God first loved us and sent his son as a propitiation, a payment for our sin. So in other words, it is, it is Jesus coming as God's mercy. Now I'll show you something very interesting. Number one. Jesus Christ is called the grace of God. How have you know that? The grace of our Lord Jesus. It's not just a statement. He is grace. So Bible says in Titus 2, the grace of God has appeared unto all men, teaching men to say no unto ungodliness, grace. God loved the world, but he sent his love to undeserving people. So when undeserving love approached undeserving people, he manifests as grace. That's why it's unmerited favor. So the mercy of God is actually grace. Is God giving you what you don't deserve. 
But mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. Unmerited favor. But mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. So grace confronts human demerit. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wave your hands to Jesus Christ. Okay. I know this part is a little bit theology, but let's go. Um, Reverend Julian, you know, one time God spoke to me and says, I need you to send Bible school back to church. No, I'm going to tell you something true. The time is too short. We can't wait for you to be a five-year, ten-year-old Christian before you decide to go to Bible school. It's too short. We are bringing Bible school to church. So it's not about being deep. That's, it's in the Bible. We are, it's the, that's, I'm not saying something from my mind. I'm, it's scripture. So we are all in Bible. Are we in Bible school together? The apostles were in Bible school together. <laughs> Amen. Any special teaching like a, you become a pastor, then Paul can say, come to Ephesus, come to Tyrannus, and we'll teach you other things. Hallelujah. All right. So are we all having readiness of mind? So we go. So he's saying that I will be merciful, propitious to your sins. That means that the word mercy there is speaking of a payment that has occurred. Expatiation is actually covering up a sin. But propitiation is satisfying the one you owe. So the reason God does not remember or consider our righteousness is because he has been placated. Remember in Genesis chapter 8, the Bible says God... And from verse 17 down was to 20, the Bible speaks about how Noah offered the clean animals. And when God smelled the sacrifice, he was pleased and said, I will not judge man or destroy man again. But the Hebrew says, even though he is continuously imagining sin. So man is still doing sin, but because of the offering, God will not judge man. Do you understand how Numbers 23 comes to play? When Balaam was upon the mountain Pisgah, looked down into the camp of Israel, and from verse 20 downwards, he said, I have not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither have I seen perverseness in all of Israel. And they were just complaining in chapter 21, and serpents had bitten them. So what is God not seeing? God is blind beyond the blood. When God sees the blood, he becomes blind. He can't see what you are doing. So, the soul that sinneth must die. Leviticus 17. And he said it is the blood that atones for sin. So what happened now is that Adam sins in the garden. God has to kill an animal. Because man goes to dress up from the tree he ate from. Do you know there's no tree mentioned in all of Genesis except the fig? Genesis 3.7. That's, oh God. Genesis 3, 7, quickly. Let's go there. He said, for the eyes of both of them were open, for they knew they were naked. And they sewed leaves together and made themselves aprons. They sewed fake leaves together. That's the only tree mentioned in the whole of the book of Genesis. In the garden, that's the only tree that's mentioned, fig. Fig leaves. Then in Mark chapter 11, from verse 20 downwards, Jesus is walking, sees a fig tree. And the Bible says the fig tree asks Jesus a question. So the Bible says, Jesus answered the tree. No man shall eat of you from now to forever. So he's not talking of the plant. He's addressing a certain tree man had eaten in the garden. That's why he uses forever. A tree does not live forever. 
He said, from now. It means man trying to use his own effort, his own technology to reach to God. When we say religious spirit, religion actually is man's attempt to reach God. Christianity is not a religion because what we attempted, God knew it was not enough. So actually Christianity, while religion is man trying to reach God, Christianity is working in what God has done by reaching you. It is God who sent his son. It is not us who climbed to heaven. He loved the world and sent his son. So ours is not a religion. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. He answered the fruit tree. Now, I, when I read this, I was shocked. No man shall eat of this tree hereafter forever. A tree. Forever. And if you are even thinking that Jesus was saying nobody should eat fig trees, people still eat fig. We eat the fig. It still produces. So he was not talking of that plant because the moment you see an, the, Jesus answered, it means the plant was not what he was addressing. It was the technology of the fig that Jesus was addressing. What Adam had partaken of in the garden. So the mercy of God is a serious transaction. Why? The Bible says in Isaiah 53, are we there? The verse number 10. For he bruised him. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days for the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. And God did something. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The word satisfied is he will be propitiated. So when Jesus shouted, Eloi, Eloi, Lamak Sabachthani, God looked down. And the reason God got satisfied, he says, by the knowledge of this transaction, he said the righteous God will be able to justify many. So that the Bible says, when you now believe in Jesus and his work, Romans chapter 3, from 25 and 26, he said God is just and the justifier of anyone that believes because of the travail of his own. So payment has been rectified. Justice has been served. Blood has been spilled because the soul that sins must die and death occurred, so payment has occurred. That is the basis of our mercy. So when God says, I remember your sins no more, it is a judicial remembrance. It's judicial memory. Because God never forgets. So when he says, I'll remember it no more, it is judicial remembrance. That's what the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The word remission in English looks complex, but actually means removal. In the old covenant, they covered the sin. In Christ, it was taken away. Oh, my Lord. My Lord. Are you here? Are you sure? So that's actually what propitiation is all about. And the Bible is saying that because of this action of payment and understanding what has been paid for, you should know that God has written his law in your mind. Now, what is this law we are talking about? The law connects to the will of God. Let's go quickly to the book of Psalms. 40, the verse number 6. Very powerful scripture. It calls the burnt offering sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure, but my ears has thou opened burnt offering and offering of sin thou, thou would not require. The next verse now says, verse 7, For then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book to do what is written of me. I delight, verse 8, 
to do thy will, O God, send me no colon. Yea, the law is within my heart. So he's saying the will of God is connected to the law of God. I delight to do thy will, colon. Yea, your law is in my heart. So he's saying that he has written his law in our heart. And based on that law that's written in our heart, we can do the will of God. I'm going to show you something today. As a child of God, the will of God is not supposed to be difficult. No, 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 no. We've made it so complex, it's become something far-fetched. It's not far from you. The will of God, it's not a difficult thing. It says this. Because of the law of God in your heart, you are able to do the will of God. And how is that possible? Now, remember, the heart is a very interesting enterprise, especially described in the Bible. Because the, 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 the heart is interesting. If you define the heart, it's... It's one of the most confusing theological things. Sometimes it's cardiac, sometimes it's lab. So different words. And like you don't even know if it's the physiological heart. You know, I mean, a whole lot of things. But when you get to the first time the Bible used the word heart, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, he says, For the Lord God saw that the imagination of man's thoughts were continually evil. So imagination is given to the heart. Thoughts are given to the heart. But we know we use our mind to think. But the Bible says in Genesis 6, 5, that the thoughts were in the heart. Number two, we know also that the heart is connected to emotions. In John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, peace I give unto you. The peace I give you is not as the world gives. He said, do not be afraid. Do not be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. So your heart can be afraid. Your heart can be troubled. Emotions. But the shocking part about the heart also is, it also houses the conscience. Hebrews 10, 22. He says, therefore, we are sprinkled, our hearts are sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body is washed with pure water. So the conscience is also connected to the heart. So what is going on now here? God writes his law in your mind, understanding, and in your heart, desire. He writes his law in your mind to understand, to download. And laws in your heart. And I just mentioned what the heart meant. It means the heart is in charge of imagination, thoughts, desires, troubles, fears, conscience. That means that the heart, if you ever did, I don't know if you did uh, arithmetic, there was this thing called the Venn diagram. Do you remember that? Do you remember Venn diagram? So you have three circles, they come together and there's an intersection. That's how the heart is. The heart is actually the center of your being. So sometimes it doesn't stay at one place. It can move to the flesh. It can move to the spirit. So at one time it has evil in it. Though you are born again. <laughs> but another time, Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. It, it, it's a funny enterprise in the body, the heart. Oh, so you can have faith. But he says, why doubt ye in your heart? It's, the heart is very interesting. That's how it works. So what he's trying to tell you now is this, that this heart... God said he has written his laws in it. So if he has written his laws in the heart, how am I able to know his will? From the day we got born again, the will of God is not externally discerned. I repeat, the will of God is not externally discerned. That's why many people miss the will of God. He has written his law in our heart. So the first place to hear his voice is from inside. That's why no matter the dream you dream, when you share it and they are, you, you say you don't understand. Yet when we are interpreting, you say that's not it. How? 
you say you don't know the meaning of your dream. I told you the meaning. You said that's not it. That's what Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar did to Daniel. These magicians came and lied. They said, ah, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, live forever. That's your dream you had that you forgot. This actually is. Nebuchadnezzar said, no, it's a lie. That's not it. I don't remember, but that's not it. That means there's a law in your heart. There's a law in your heart. He has written it. That's why people can celebrate you, but when you violate God, you can feel it that you are wrong. It's a law in your heart. Sometimes you can speak to your wife in a harsh way, and you were right because you were, she disobeyed or something, or you just, just, but you feel an urge. Stop how you are speaking. It's a law. It's the law written in your heart. That's the will of God. And I just show you how the heart is. It means sometimes God will speak through your emotions. Sometimes you want to go somewhere, but you're uncomfortable. You don't feel needed there. You feel dry. God is speaking in your heart. That's the law written in your heart. That's what I'm saying. It's not difficult to discover the will of God. It's just that we've tried to move from the spiritual to the spectacular. So we have allowed spirits to lead us. So it's like a voice came from heaven and the lights went off. It began to flicker. Then you heard a voice. Oh, John, 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 I'm talking to you. No. When you get born again, he speaks from inside out. It's an inward witness. Reverend Hagen says it was an inner witness. He could even find houses with the inner witness, not a vision. I'm telling you, inner witness. And that's where you master. That's why the Bible says, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It takes maturity to be led from inside. You are speaking, but you hear a voice say, stop that communication. You are, you are, somebody is just complaining about somebody to you and all of a sudden you feel a scratch in dike. Shut up. Don't say anything. Don't participate in someone's sin. As they are speaking, you are feeling a discomfort. It's an inward witness. Hallelujah. So this is the blessing of the new covenant. Child of God, you can hear God in real time. You can hear God in real time. No, 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 you don't need to go. No, no, of course, I'm not saying those enterprises are not needed, but I'm saying you can hear God in real time. Because think about it. If you need to sign a check in two hours, and you didn't know you have to sign it in two hours, and you've got to the meeting grounds, and the meeting was at 12, and they said we are signing this contract at 2, are you now going home to go and lie down and sleep? And dream and say, ah, should I sign? Shouldn't I sign? No, real time. If you meet a wrong person in town, do you need to go and do a fasting prayer to know this is a wrong person? In what life? There's a law inside you. It's written. You can sense it. Do you know many of the people you met that caused you problem, you knew from the first day? You just didn't know there was a law. I'm showing you today. The first, no believer can say they don't hear God. Can I show you what the scripture said? Ah. Listen. Don't be deceived. God even speaks to unbelievers. The book at Nature. Pharaoh, the even shocking part is God speaks to murderers. After king kills his brother, God comes talking. Where is your brother? How can you finish murder and God is giving you an encounter? So, what is this you are making a law out of? And that's actually in the remit of what we call conscience. Your conscience is the student of your belief. That's why when you were in a church, that didn't allow you to wear certain clothes. When you wait, you feel you're a sinner. You feel you're a sinner. Ah. So the day you came to this church and you started wearing certain clothes, you're like, mm, something is off. I don't feel right. Ah, I said, woman, why am I wearing jeans? Why am I wearing jeans? Ah, I said, woman, I can't wear man clothes. 
It's the theology you have that affects your conscience. That is why you can't trust your conscience when you are not feeding on the word of God. Because you might choose wrongly because you were at peace with it. So what is at peace with is as a result of a defiled conscience. It's defiled. That's why it's only the truth that can purify the conscience. He said, wash the conscience with pure water. And he said that he may sanctify it and cleanse it by the washing of water, which is the word. So I always tell people, the moment you stay away from the word, be careful of your decisions. If you're not studying the word, be careful of the things you're choosing. <laughs> you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you'll live with it. So if your spiritual life comes like this, you're not praying, you're not fasting, you're not reading the word, you'll come like this, check all your choices. Dangerous. Dangerous. Because when you are here, you can know what is God and what is good. But what is good is of the same tree. Good and evil. It's the same number line. It's positive and negative. Good is not God. Amen. The will is there. It's a law within you. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, he says that it is God who is at work in us. Both will. In fact, if you check the original text, it says that it's God who is at work in us, continuously desiring and performing. So God is the one who is desiring. So it means that anytime I wake up in the morning, I say, ah, today I feel like praying. It is God who willed it. The woman at the well thought she preceded Christ, but God is always previous. I repeat, God is always previous. One day, I think when I come again, according to what Apostle Julian has said, it looks like I'm coming again. But when I come again, this is what I want to show you. I might preach on the doctrine of God. God is the everlasting contemporary and the eternal now. <laughs> he is the everlasting. It means that there is no age. There is no dispensation. God will be a cake. He is always modern. <laughs> and he is the eternal now. So when God is talking about now, it's still a matter from eternity. <laughs> And he's the ancient tomorrow. <laughs> so there's nothing that shocks God. Because when God stands in majesty, past, present, future has happened at the same time. That is why you are saying, God, but the doctors took my womb out. But God said, daughter, you are having your children. You are like, Lord, I'm not 20 again. He said, you are still having your children. Lord, I'm 90 years. He said, you are having a son. He said, Sarah, I don't care. Because where I stand, your past, your present, and future are all happening at the same time. Don't joke with God. I believe, no wonder Daniel said in Daniel eleven thirty two, they that know their God. This is the generation to know our God. Because he quoted from 13 and 31 that there's an abomination about to enter the temple. So there are deceptions about to enter the earth. And Bible calls it in Isaiah 60 verse 2, gross darkness. Not just on the earth, the people. That means there's a kind of deception coming. You won't even know truth. If you don't measure truth with God, you'll be deceived. And that type of deception that has come in gross darkness is the type that was in Egypt. When you even put your hand in the dark, you can't see it. That means when you're even lied to, you don't even know you're being lied to. You know when you're in darkness, you can see your hand. Like, ah, I'm dark. I can't see <laughs> At least you know. But this darkness that is coming, you are deceived and you are not aware. <laughs> He's in you. He's willing it. He's desiring it. So the next time God tells you, move from your area. Go and join the Quran church. Don't say, Lord, 
uh, Pastor, Bishop told me to go and help at Karen. Uh, um, um, is Karen, sorry. And when I was going to help, like, I didn't, but you, you felt an edge, but you were looking for excuses. Some of you, God has told you to help the Sunday school, but you, have, you feel the desire, but you always find a, a bribe for it. You always bribe your conscience. So sometimes you wake up, God tells you, go and work in church. Serve the house of God. You feel a strong desire. Child of God, obey. <laughs> that is the law of God at work, which is actually tantamount to the will of God. Amen. And can I advise you today? There is no demon that makes you overgive. Let me explain. No, I'll explain. No, no, no. Let me explain. I understand. People have cajoled whatever it is. But listen to what I'm saying. That thing you sense when you are in service, you give probably 5,000 shillings. Then you hear God say, make it 10. You are like, how? Why? That's not the devil. Because that thing that is resisting it is actually flesh. Job 2.4 Skin for skin shall a man give all he has. Skin for skin. Job chapter 2 verse 4. He said, shall a man gain all he hath for his life. That means that every time you are giving to God, you are giving your way out into life. I'm telling you. Now listen, the devil has deceived the church. Many of the things that make church and Christ alive, go check it, it's what the world attacks. Speaking in tongues. Jesus said, if I make it to the Father's side, I will send you the promise. So the world says, tongues has passed. So that Jesus looks like he didn't make it. That's what he said. He said, I go to my Father's side and I will send you the promise. So the fact that we speak in tongues means he made it. Number two, fight. Hebrews 7, 7, and 8 says, Here on earth men receive it, but there in heaven Jesus receives the time. Please put that scripture there so they don't say I'm preaching for blessing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, go. Good. He said, and here men that die receive fights, but there Jesus receives them who witnesses. So when you give tight, you are witnessing that Jesus is alive. So everything that proves Jesus is alive is the thing the world is saying we shouldn't do. Don't be deceived. Be wise. Be wise. <laughs> be wise. Hallelujah. Oh, why are you here? I, I hope you're not offended. Eh? All right. Okay. So that's the law in our heart. The law in our heart. So anywhere you, anywhere you go, anytime you get to the office, you feel a strong desire to preach to your boss. You never know. Speak to your boss about Jesus. You never know. If you, if you don't, if you don't take care, you hear he's dead and you'll feel sad. Do it. It's a strong urge. It's the will of God. Sometimes you are, in fact, even comes in the way we dress. Sometimes you are coming to church, you take a suit. The more you see the brown suit and the blue suit, there's a strong desire for the blue, not the brown. It's the Lord. Why? The spirit searched all things before the deep things of God. So sometimes you go to a restaurant, buffet, you are eating. You take the, the pork sausage, you take the beef sausage, and you're about to take the chicken. Holy Ghost said, it's enough. Enough. End here. It's okay. It's, it's okay. Are you not the one who said you are dieting? It's okay. End here. Add vegetables. Like, no, Lord, the chicken is looking nice. You know how this chef is calling me. I like barbecue. And you are touching. You know what happens? As soon as you eat that chicken, you begin to feel uncomfortable. He doesn't tell you not to eat chicken because he hates you. He knows what is happening in your biology at that moment. 
and you will know that that chicken will cause you problems. The law is written in your heart. That boy was lying. You knew he was lying. But you're like, ah, he's cute, oh. He's cute. He's too cute. I know. I know he's lying, but I'll say yes. Ah. Shabby, you are the Holy Ghost. You will change a human being. Some of you see, you see, this is the whole point. You are trying to convert the soul. Not for the Lord, for yourself. Do you understand what you just did? It's only God who converts soul. You, you can convert flesh. Men convert flesh. God converts souls. So you are not the Holy Ghost to find an unbeliever and say, ah, I will change you, sir. I will change you. Why didn't you win him for the Lord first? Then later convert his soul. The law is there. They bring an investment scheme. And every time you're about to sign, you can't find a pen. Every time they call you, something happens. You can't have the meeting. It should, talk, it should tell you God is warning. Something is off with this thing. It's a law within. That's what I'm saying. You don't even need a prophet. Can I tell you something? Our generation is a prophetic generation. Not because there's going to be a lot of prophets. But it's going to be the generation that will be highly led by the Spirit. That means any meeting you show up in, any man of God you say hello to, you were led. When you are led, you minimize error. Errors are minimized. Hallelujah. Point number two, the next blessing. Quickly, the next blessing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray tonight you don't miss it. I believe God is going to do a lot of miracles in our midst. I believe God is going to touch a lot of people. Now, he says what I will know. Go back to Hebrews chapter 8. Chapter 8. He says, I'll put my loss in their mind and I'll write it in their hearts and I'll be to them a God. Now, notice what he said here. He didn't say, I'll be to them their God, a God. That's why if you don't take your time reading it, I'll be to them a God. It's the same phrase God referred to in Exodus chapter 7. Exodus 7.1, let's go there. God had sent Moses to Egypt to go deliver his people. And when Moses got there, Pharaoh was tormenting Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you a God to Pharaoh. That means that disposition of a God is for the display of power and miracles. This is the reason why he was able to do all the mighty things he did in the entire land of Egypt. I'll show you another scripture. Exodus chapter 16 verse 12. God said he gave Israel manna to prove that he is their God. So when he says, I'll be to them a, their, a God, not their God, their God is different, but a God means I'm come to make impossible things possible in their life. So child of God, a, a born again covenant, everlasting covenant believer, new covenant believer, anyhow you use it, is one that consistently works in miracles. You don't need a miracle service to have a miracle. Listen to this. You don't need a revival to have a testimony. Every day is a testimony service. Because that's what he said. This is the blessing he has given us. He said, listen to this. He said, they were murmuring and they were complaining. He said, speak to them saying, even they shall eat flesh. And in the morning, they will be filled with bread. And I will show them that I am the Lord, your God. So I'm come to do a miracle. 
to show that I am a God. Is somebody here? Does somebody believe in God is going to show himself alive? He said the same in Psalm 144. From verse 12, he says, I will bless your sons. I will bless your Ghana. Go there for me. We'll see something very powerful. Many of the miracles you are believing God for is already available in the covenant. That's why Paul didn't say do. He said see. That the eyes will see. Because in Christ, you are not doing. You are seeing to repeat. Because some of you think Jesus is now come to heal you. By his stripes. You are healed. That's what Isaiah said. But Peter said it. You were. You were. When Isaiah was prophesying very unique terms, he was supposed to say it in the future. You will be healed. Because Jesus has not yet died. In fact, when you go to Matthew chapter 8, Jesus healed someone. And the Bible says that it might come to pass. That which Isaiah the prophet said, that when he heals, he will take away our sickness and bear our infirmities. That means every healing service Jesus did, he took sin down. He took sickness away. And yet he had not died. And the moment he was beaten, he handled our, our sickness. And he had not ascended the cross. So without going on the cross, your healing was secured. That is when you go for crusades. Sometimes people are healed before they are saved. Because the blood dealt with your salvation, but the stripes dealt with your healing. That's why I say healing is the bread of children. It means if children can eat bread, then healing should be like bread, easy. But sometimes theology makes it very complex. Cancer, God can't do anything about it. No. Yet you read a lot of cancer healings, and the people didn't use Jesus. They just put a picture in front of them of their healthy self. Every day they saw a healthy person. They were okay. Many people die in hospital not because they want to die. They are surrounded with dying people. So the more you keep seeing, your spirit is designed to see and hear. So as long as you are seeing and hearing death, you are going to die soon. That's when the funeral happens. If you are not careful, you are hearing death too many times. You will in fact, you'll be at the funeral and the devil will just carry you and say, look at you. You are in that coffin. See how people will cry. Ah, your ex-husband, your ex-boyfriend, they will all be here. And you'll be saying in your head, ah, hmm, if they come to my phone, I'll get up and slap them. <laughs> you have imagined yourself dead. And you don't realize Satan is building a prophecy in your heart. That one day, so you just be at the phone and just sad all of a sudden. So if I die, will anyone cry? Ah, ah, Lord. Hmm. So you see people crying, not because of who is dead. <laughs> because they are seeing themselves dead already. <laughs> they too are dying. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, I'll be to them their God. Psalm 144, verse 12, quickly. Psalm 144, verse 12. I want to see what you have. God has given you an ATM, fully paid, fully deposited. But you are just, you are just walking the streets as if you have no money. He's deposited. He says that our sons may be plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may also be cornerstones, polished in the similitude of our palace. Next, verse 13. That our garners will be full of... It. Listen, he's talking about the blessings of your sons and daughters. Listen, if you're a child of God, God has handled your children. No, I'm telling... No, 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 listen, listen. It is what... The word worry in the Anglo-Saxon root is worrying. Worrying means to strangle the life out of. So anytime you worry about a thing, you are strangling life out of it. That is why when you want, want worry for your children... You strangle the grace that should reach them. Ah, 
Are they not God's gifts? Are you not just a steward in charge of their life? Forget this alphabet people and all the things they are doing. They are in God's hand. God carried Abraham into a depraved situation and none of them, he said he brought them all out of Egypt and none of them were feeble in their bones. So God is able to take your children to any part of the world. It is his children. In fact, even in the day you make a mistake because of covenant right, when God entered covenant with Abraham and they exchanged place, like I said in the morning, those who were not here, they swap places. When you swap places, you change names. God's name is Yahweh in the Hebrew Tetragrammaton. It is spelled Y-H-V-H. God took half of his name and gave to Abraham and Sarah. He was called Abraham. God took one of his age, gave to him, Abraham. She was called Sarai. God took one of the age and gave to her, Sarah. And out of the sharing of the names, they became covenant partners. And out of that, listen, out of that, God said, whatever I own is now yours. And whatever you own is now mine. That is why when God asked for Isaac, because of covenant, Abraham couldn't refuse. Because my children are also yours. Then when Abraham also looked to God, he sought for a land whose builder was no man but God. So when Abraham too decided to look for a location, he said, I want that place called paradise. And God said, it's called Abraham's bosom. God even named heaven after Abraham because of the swapping of property. Then God even swapped the wives. Abraham lied that Sarah was his sister. And God went to Abimelech, I swear, if you touch this girl, God should have said because he lied, his wife should be defiled. But listen, in covenant, even when you lie, you are still connected. That's why he said, I'll remember their unrighteousness no more. So because of the covenant Abraham has with God, even in his lie, God owns Sarah. He said, if you touch this girl, you are finished. And he said, ah, I didn't know. He said, yes, I'm the one who stopped you from touching her. You were buffing her. This is that you put her in milk. You were... I said that to tell you this. Whatever God has is now yours. And whatever you have is now God's. So your car is God's car. Your house is God's car. Your, your, your house is God's house. Your children are God's children. So when anything is happening, say, Lord, your children. Lord, your car. Lord, your house. Lord, your marriage is for you. And let's see if God will allow his car to be stolen. Let's see if God will allow his children to be destroyed. But when you try to hold it yourself, your capacity is not enough. When you start a business, name it God's business. There's a book written by a certain banker. He says, I am the banker of God. So even your account, tell God you are his banker. God, you own this account. You determine what goes and what stays. Before I sign a check, the Lord. The Lord. Kabali katasayas. He says, you will bring the garnets to be full. All manner of store, our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. That our oxen may be strong in labor. Listen, he's talking of your businesses, your properties. And see what he said in verse 15. Verse 15, this is the part. The last verse, verse 15. Happy is that people. That is in such a case. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. The word, <laughs> whose God is Yahweh. So I pray you are in such a case. Are you seeing yourself in such a case? So today when you go home, I know you've prayed about your marriage for a long time. I know you've prayed about your children for a long time. Kneel down and tell the Lord, casting my cares. First Peter chapter 5. 
The verse 8, he said, be sober, vigilant, for the enemy of adversity is roaring like an angry lion, seeking whom he may devour. Do you know the preceding verse is what he says? Verse 7. In fact, verse 6 says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's what? In due time. Go there, go there. No, yeah, he will exhort you in due time. Do you see it's a colon? Do you, no, please, do you all see it's a colon? There are two dots there. Two dots there. Go to verse 6, please. Aha, uh -huh, go, thank you. You see there's a colon there. Now, it means that the next time the next verse 7 is starting with a verb in continuous tense. It means it's coming from somewhere. So he's saying the way you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God is casting your care on him. Because it is pride to tell God you are in charge. Then after two weeks, they're like, ah, it's been two weeks, sir. <laughs> Nothing has changed. You gave it to him when you were so broken. Oh, Lord, I can't. I can't. I'm done. Handle it. Then after a while, your emotions gathered. You got some strength. You were excited again. So you came to people and said, Lord, it's not happening. What's happening? Um, mm, okay. Let me approach the throne of grace. Uh, not to obtain help, but to obtain my problem. <laughs> I think you've not done it. Let me try and help you, Lord. This is pride. No, no, no. Pride is not raising your shoulders. This is pride. Anytime you think you can handle a case without God's assistance, you are proud. That's why he's saying casting. So the moment you fail to cast, and casting is the way when you get home, you drop your clothes on the floor or put it in the laundry and walk away. That's how you cast. Till it is laundered, it's not your business. Did Jesus not know his boat was sinking? But it was not his problem. Then verse 8 says, verse 8, this is why we always miss it. Be sober, be vigilant, because Satan's strategy is your cares. You forget what Matthew 13 says. It could not grow because of the cares of this life. So anytime you are being careful about many things, the word he will go about seeking, it means Satan has not found his victim yet. It means when Satan wakes up, he's now looking for he doesn't have a prayer yet. Come on, come on, come on, somebody. He is now seeking. He has not sought. He is now. And the person he finds out is the one who is having many thoughts. Oh, that one is thinking a lot. Let me get to him. <laughs> and you become, and the Bible says he would, the word devour is the way you pull marrow from a bone. He will slurp you out. So that's what it means. You become easy prey. Check all the times a problem happens and you say, glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. All your fears vanish. Your problem didn't change, but the moment you say glory to Jesus, Job lost his children, lost his herds, lost his family, his house, and all he says, blessed be the Lord. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken. Life continued. That's what Job did. Let God be your God. Amen. No, let God be your God. Amen. I know what I'm saying. Let God be your God. Do you know what God did to Israel? When God gave them manna, the Bible said it was about 2,000 cubits in length. He did the same to them in Numbers 11, verse 31. In fact, in Numbers 11, 31, they complained about quail. They want meat. Because verse 4 and 5, mixed multitude came crying, give us meat, give us meat. So he brought meat. The Bible said he took wind, went to bring the quail from the sea. When he brought them, the Bible said he brought the quail to the extent that they were flying just three feet above the earth. So it means quail had filled the sky to this point. So that the Bible says the Israelites, morning and night and the day after, were catching the birds. 
And the Bible says they were one mile to the left, one mile to the right. God always does exceedingly abundantly. <laughs> one bed is enough. But he brought the bed, not in the sky, so you need a catapult. You just stretch your hand, catch one bed, cook it, catch one bed, cook it. Three feet above ground. You doubt God. Do you know what God did to Israel? He said none of their feet was worn out. For 40 years, it means the same sandals I wore from, the, from Egypt. It did, I didn't need to change it. He said, neither did their garments outgrow them. It means every night I slept and I increased in height. God brought an angel to suture. And do you know how they even got weapons? Go read the Bible. Their first battle. Where did they get the swords from? There's no record there was a blacksmith that made the sword. Where did they get it from? What drowned in the sea? God washed it to the shore. And say, collect weapon. Listen, if you know how to let God care for you, you see the way you say, I'll take care of you. God is higher. You are joking. The owner of the earth, the one who owns a thousand mountains with the cattle, the one who said the silver and gold is mine, and the earth is mine, and everybody is there, that's mine. That means that the CEO I want to go to his job and find a job at, God owns him. If God owns him, I say, God, I need this job. You own the man. Did he to tell the disciples that the master has need? I also need it. And see what God will do in your life. Child of God, don't be afraid. Let God be your God. He said, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Isaiah 41 verse 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. He said, do not be dismayed. Don't be confused looking to the left and right, for I am with thee, and I will be your God. Blessed are the people whose God is their Lord. But the last part is very important. The last part. Let's go there. Let's go back to. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The last part, quickly. Thank you, Lord. Say from today, the law of God is in my heart, is in my mind. I'm never confused about the will of God. I know what to do at every time. I avail myself to the leading. Of the spirit. From today. I allow God. To be a God. In my life. I activate miracles. 24-7. In the name of Jesus. You can just lift your phone and say. Lord I need data. Lord I need credit. I need a, a deposit in the bank. That's all. You wake up in the morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are God to me. And I'm your people. Therefore, you take care of your people. Therefore, right now in Jesus' name, I need 10,000 shillings. Lord, let it enter my account. Glory to Jesus. I call it down. Amen. As you are going, you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. As soon as Satan comes to you, oh, foolish girl, foolish boy, don't you know the Bible says, no, Satan can go scripture, religious spirit, the one that does not eat, will not, the one that does not work will not eat. But can I tell you something? We are blessed more with favor than labor. There are some things if you labor, you will retire and still not have a car. Oh, you didn't get it. There are some things if you labor, thinking is your work. In fact, let me say, let me say this way and I'll explain, I'll, I'll repeat this thing. It's a curse to live life without anyone blessing you. That everything you have, you sweated for it. No, there's a problem. 
Because your strength cannot go far. And what God wants to do in your life, that your 6 to 8 or 8 to 7 work you do, it cannot bring it. You need favor. You need favor. Even Jesus, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You need favor. That's why he said a good name is better than riches. Sometimes you don't need cash to own a house. Your name will make a person say, because of you, I've heard of you. Take this land. Take this house. Take this car. And anytime you want, come and pay. In fact, sometimes they'll even tell you, any amount you have, because of your name, I've heard of you. Take it. It's pride to say everything I have is me. It's pride, I'm telling you. God didn't design it like that. God designed you to be taken care of by him. I want to take care of you. The moment you don't allow God to care for you, he calls you proud. You're proud. <laughs> the last one. And I, I like when in the first time Reverend Julian was saying something about God being the ultimate. And this is the part I want you to hear. It's connected to this one. Let's go back to that scripture. It says, next verse, verse 11. <laughs> and they shall teach not every man his neighbor, but every man his brother say, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Now the word know here is the word genosko in the Greek. And genosko is a kind of knowledge that is intimate. So in the Jewish culture, the word genosko is also a, a, an idiom for sexual intercourse. So like in scripture, many times through our Bible, now listen to this, anytime a husband slept with a wife, the Bible says, and Adam knew Eve. When you sleep with a prostitute or someone who is not a wife, you lay. There was one instance in the book of Judges, a man had married and had a concubine. And he gave his concubine out on his own will to the people of the town. And Bible said they knew her. It means he did it in his right and aware of the transaction as owner of that lady. So Bible says they knew her. That's a, in fact the only instance that the word no is used for somebody who you know was connected to her. But every time the Bible uses no, it's connected to a legal wife. If the lady is not legally in your life, it is lay. That means before marriage, you are laying. I pray for you. Whatever you lay, that is about to hatch. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So the word know there is an intimate knowledge. And he's saying in this day that is coming, based on the covenant of Christ, nobody will have to be taught the process, the method, the experience of that intimacy. But everyone, the word know here is another Greek word, which is edu, which means aware, conversant. Everyone will become conversant with the impulses of the spirit and the Lord that is calling them to closeness. That's why in the new covenant, you can arrive in a season in your life and you can feel God is calling you to more prayer. You can arise in a season in your life and you feel like your Saturday night movies, you have to trade it for Bible study. It, it, it's, it's an awareness. 
And it comes from this. Listen, I will tell you today, Eden was the product of intimacy. Adam was to keep the garden and dress it. Genesis 2.15. He was to keep the garden and dress it. So in keeping the garden and dress it, it was a protocol of intimacy. Now when man left intimacy, Genesis chapter 4 explains it. Cain left the presence of the Lord. And Bible says in the statement God told him, because of where you are going, he said, thou shalt till the ground, yet the ground will not yield you her increase. So it's one thing to labor, and it's another thing for your labor to produce. Anytime you are not intimate with the Lord, you are laboring, but there's no production. You have no results. So in the garden, man's first assignment when he woke up was to be intimate with God before he's intimate with any work. Otherwise, you get through the day and the transactions are off. You are following after every meeting and nothing is coming out of it. It is because you've left the altar of intimacy. He said in Romans chapter 7 verse 4, Oh, wherefore, brethren, ye are dead. Oh, kabaskebolabas. You are dead to, to the law by the body of Christ. He said you are dead to the law by the body of Christ that ye may be married to another. And to the one, that another is the one who died and has rose from the dead. He says that you may bear more fruits. So it is the marriage with Christ that produces fruitfulness. If you are not intimate with Jesus, your labor will not produce anything. You are no more in the world. So don't do things like you were in the world. In the world, you were not spending time with God. You were listening to Satan's voice. That's why you still got results. Let me help you today. No dimension beyond the natural labor of man in regards to prosperity occurs without the assistance of spirits. Hear what I said. No dimension beyond the normal labor that produces normal results. Supernatural wealth, breakthrough in amounts of money, touching millions of dollars all of a sudden, happened outside the assistance of a spirit. A spirit assisted somewhere. And sometimes when you are chasing women and destroying people's life, selling drugs, selling your body, Satan intensifies his spirit. Bible calls Mary Magdalene the woman out of which seven spirits came out. It means she couldn't trade without spirits. Mary Magdalene couldn't be a prostitute without spirits. There's no realm like that. So when you were in the world, a spirit was leading you to make business. But now that you are in Christ, you've left the Holy Spirit, the highest of all spirits, and you are doing it by yourself, you are cheating yourself. You are like, my friends are making it. It's because you've not come to the highest spirit. The highest spirit you encounter. In Genesis 31, sir, just Jacob was lying down and the angel of the Lord appeared and said, lift your eyes and see. He said, the rain stick, the speckled and the spotted. You are coming to have a miracle. Go and take the poppy stick and this, he put the water, he put it in water and when the animals drank the water, their babies changed color. Because they were all plain colors. But all of a sudden, that's why Laban, when he heard the deal, he said, ah, it's a good deal. Because they are white, black, and brown. There's no spotted, there's no rain stick. So what are you talking about? He said, okay, go ahead. When he saw, he said, no, this boy has cheated me. Then Jake, Jake, and God said to you, don't worry. There are others still pregnant. Let them just look. He said, turn the animals. I wonder the intelligence. That sheep was looking, a brown sheep was looking at a spotted sheep ahead of it. 
And whilst he was looking at the spotted sheep, not at fetal level, the sheep already carried a lamb. But as he looked at the spotted creature, something was happening to the creature in his belly. And that's how Jacob got his salaries. You are using the wrong method. It starts with intimacy. And can I shock you today before we close? In John 17 verse 3, this is life eternal. To know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That means the reason you are born again is just to know God. Period. That means when we get to heaven, it is those who knew God that will have higher ranking than those who, who healed the sick. No, 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 no. It's those who knew God. You must know God. This is the reason why Jude quoted from the book that Enoch wrote. And he said, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied saying, God, Jesus Christ shall come with 10,000 of the saints upon the clouds. Yet when we read the story of Enoch, and Enoch walked with God. That's all. Whether he cooked. In fact, his name in the Arabic is Idris. Anytime you see the name Idris, is the, the, the Hebrew word Enoch. He's called Metatron in the Greek. That's Enoch. And Idris means the highest teacher who is a prophet. And he studied. Yet all that was written about his life, he walked with God. Your highest purpose on earth is not the job you are doing. Can I say this? Anything that is not eternal is eternally useless. Anything that is not eternal is eternally useless. This building will not go to heaven. It is what we do here that goes there. That car will not enter heaven. It is who you put into it and who you use it for that will make record in the heavens. It's time to be intimate with God. Has thou not gone too far? Has guilt not frustrated you from accessing this truth? But David said in his Psalms, 32 verse 3, he said, because I could not speak of my sins, my bones are dried out. Guilt kills. Guilt kills. He said, I could not talk of my sins, so my bones are drying. I'm waxing old. Death is working inside me. Guilt is a spirit. But he said, you must know. It's paid for. Why are you being guilty? When Adam sinned, guilt made him run. So anytime you're avoiding God, there's something you don't want to address. There's something you don't want to address. That's why you're avoiding God. But today, I call you to a place. Go read Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your love. Before that, in the book of Thessalonians, he said, I know your works of love, your works of faith, your labor of love, and your, he says, your, 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 he spoke about the last part, which is what? Go there, no, next verse two, verse two. He said, I know your works, I know your, he said, I know the patience of your hope. But when they got to Revelations 2, they had lost the faith of their works. You know, sometimes you can be working for God, and when you started, you were in faith. Now you do the work, but there's no faith. It's business as usual. Once upon a time, you were laboring for God because you love God. Anything for Jesus. But now you are laboring and there's no more love. And the Bible says, can I tell you something? It is the love of many that has waxed cold. That's why we check time when church is delaying. You know why? When, jo when Jacob labored for his wife, he said he saw it but few days. 
Seven years became few days. It is love that makes you take a mile with a smile. When you are in love, every mile going to the one you want to see that makes you happy, you do it with a smile. So you are going to visit your beloved, your girlfriend, your wife, something, someone you really cherish. Even if it's raining and there's thunderstorms, you are ready to go through it because you know it has the love of your life. That means the moment your love is low, you complain, why is God doing this to me? But dare I not call this job a sacrifice? You know why? Men occupy earthly kingdoms and they call them honorable. How shall we who occupy the highest kingdom not be called honorable? Today I provoke you to another place. Child of God, I provoke you to another place. Start walking with God in intimacy. Every morning you wake up, talk to him. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord. If the things of God don't break your heart, your heart has become hard. Don't deceive yourself. It's not a song we sing. It's a life we live. Love is action. It's not words. So when you say, I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. I was So if he did this when you were lowly, nobody cared and nobody considered you worthy. But Jesus says, I love you anyways. When did Jesus condemn? Do you know the power of condemnation is the reason why you repeat your sins? But Isaiah said he has been made a sin offering. Isaiah 53, 10, sin offering. But actually in the Greek, it's not, in the Hebrew, it's not sin offering. It's actually guilt offering. Do you have the YLT? The Young's Literal Translation. You see it. Isaiah 53 verse 10. He has made your, his soul an offering for our guilt. Do you know what it means? It means when you get born again, your guilt died. Are you there? YLT? Are you there? Uh -huh. He has made his soul an offering for sin. The YLT says, he has become our guilt offering. In Christ, we have godly sorrow, not guilt. Two different things. Guilt is regret because you were caught. But being caught does not mean you've changed. That means if you are not caught, you continue. It's time to be close to him again. Every morning you wake up, Lord, I love you. Lord, how is the day going by? We are scared of cheating on people, but we have cheated on God many times. We are scared of breaking appointments with people. But God says, meet me at 10. And you were doing your own thing for yourself. And so there's a revival we have delayed. But I believe by the authority of the office God gave me. He said, you are not entering a revival of power. That you have seen. But you are entering the revival of love. There's a love dimension about to hit the church. Lovers of God. Who are walking in the covenant. Jesus loves me and this I know for the Bible tells me so little one let someone come do something to your child in school you will take excuse from your office and run straight to that campus 
don't you think if you are God's child and you are receiving his love your Christianity will be different perfect love casted out fear the opposite of fear is not faith come down for me come down for me come down for me come down for me the opposite of faith is not fear it's not it's not fear the opposite of fear is actually perfect love you know what perfect love is it's mature love do you know what mature love is? It's love that has reached its goal. What is the goal of God's love? God sent his son. Do you know the first question that was asked in the Bible? Adam, where are you? Do you know the first question that was asked in the New Testament? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? That is perfection. When the one who gave himself for you is now being pursued by the ones he died for. So Paul said that I may apprehend that for which I was apprehended for Christ. So Christ gained us so that we will gain Christ. That is the journey. So when I tell a lady I love you, that's love. But mature, perfect love is when she tells me back, I too love you. It means my love has reached its goal. This is what scatters fear because we are together. God has no favorites. He has intimates. He will be different to you if you are intimate with him. Start spending hours with God. Give him your hours. Give him your best. Dress your best for God. Let everybody in this world see you rushing out of your house. And the first thing they'll say, she is going to church. Because the only time we see her in a hurry is because of God. My best for Jesus. Now smart, you help a lot of companies to establish protocols. But you've decided to hide in church. Nobody should know what you do. Your best is not for God. But if I love him, I'll pour my heart. And if I love him, I'll obey his commandments. Sometimes I want to run away from church, but God says, stay. Because I love him. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, the love of Christ constraineth us. I want to tell you my mind. I really want to give you a rebuttal. Because I love him. And he says, Adam, no. I'm like, okay. I want you to leave my life. But Jesus said, keep him there. I'm like, Lord, keep him there. I love him too much to disobey. I pray tonight when you come, Lord will allow us. But this afternoon, God has blessed you with three things. You know his will already. That's why when you make the wrong choice, you are aware it was a wrong choice. If you didn't know the right, you will not be aware it was even wrong to start with. He is to be your God. Miracles every day, everywhere. The next time your child gets choked, power of God first before hospital. The next time you take a drug, power of God first because sometimes drugs don't work. So without the power of God, that drug you are even taking is still not going to work. Sometimes it is God's power to make the medication functional. So that after one dose, you are okay. And you thought it was the drug. It is his power. So even if you take a drug, lift it to Jesus and say, Lord, I tend this to your power. And much more. Relationship is traded on time. So don't think you are ever intimate with God when he has not received your time. Time is the commodity of relationship. If you don't give God time, you are not getting deep with him. Give him time. And like Bishop said, 
Yesterday I was buying something from town. And the driver said, why is two men are in town? And the whole place is packed. I said, ah. And then when the service has not started, I, I call it service. Whatever the minister is a service. Eh? So whatever service they are ministering, when it's not started, people wait patiently. Even if it's raining. It was raining yesterday. People waited patiently. Till they do mic check at 9 p.m. Then you are still there. And you finished at 12 a.m. And there was not a problem. And the painful part is they sang songs you already know. It's not like they were ministering to you something new you don't know. You know the song. And all you were doing, you were singing ah, 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 with them. That's all. Three hours. And you think God will make any shortcut to how you should love him? No. Because he's seeing the extent you will go for anything that is important to you. So he too said, okay, if I'm that important, let's go far. Let's journey on. Stop running from God. He's your best. He's your everything. Wave your hands to Jesus. And say, Lord, today, open my spirit for this truth. Just begin to bless his name, somebody. Oh, thank you, precious Jesus. Someone just got healed, I tell you. Someone just got healed. Someone just got healed of a respiratory thing, like it's a chest situation. Your chest is feeling clogged. And how it's heavy right now. God is just healing you right now. You feel the warmth of the Lord. There's the heat wave through your chest. And that's the power of the Holy Ghost. The entrance of his word. There's grace that he brings. Someone is just going like, God, I've wasted my time. Well, he's standing at the door. In Mark chapter 2, they tore the roof of the man's house. And before Jesus could heal them, he knew they would be guilty of what they had just done. So the first thing Jesus said, your sins be forgiven. So you can focus on the healing. Sometimes guilt makes you focus on the wrong things. But he says, heal. forget it. Just, just focus on me and receive your healing. I know you've wasted time. I know you've done horrible things you shouldn't have done. Let's forget about that. Just focus on him. Look unto Jesus and something about the grace of Christ to come towards you. Thank you, Lord. Oh. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to speak about what is important to you. Brought us to a table, a table of fat things, wines on the lees full of marrow. This wonderful table, Lord, we beckon and we come. We come with boldness to this throne of grace, to this table of grace, to obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Thank you for what you've done for us. Nothing can replace your sacrifice on the cross. And I will not abuse and belittle and run down the power of the cross. Let your name be exalted even in our hearts.